If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free and everyone loves free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which makes it very convenient. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Finally, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So take a moment to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. It is so good to be back. I am so sorry for the delay, but you know, sometimes life happens and you just roll with the punches. Today, we have a very special guest, and I'm so happy to have her. Her name is Dr. Sonia Salone. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And she has this incredible book called The Rules of Medicine, which I have purchased my copy and started reading it. It's a great book. So, Dr. Salone, we normally just jump right into the conversation. Let's do it. And when I first saw that you had a book coming out, I was so excited because I've met you before, mm-hmm. and I'll save my stories for a little bit later. Okay. Um, but I saw your book, I got the book from Amazon, it came in, and I started reading it, and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I, because I thought the rules were for medicine, but also for people who are not medical professionals, because mm-hmm. I think maybe they, some of the uh, rules could be applied in a couple of different ways. Correct. And I want you to share maybe why you wrote this book at this particular time yeah. and how did you how did you determine which rules to keep in the book versus mm. which rules to keep out? Interesting because uh, I um, initially wrote the book as a, um, just for surgeons because I'm an okay. orthopedic surgeon by uh-huh. trade and I had such a hard time getting through and I, I always thought, I'm like, no one ever told me that. No mm-hmm. one ever said, you're supposed to know this or you'd hear it or we'd talk about it sort of, you know, haphazardly and then it'd be like, no, this is actually really important. Someone should have, you know, put a pin in this. Mm -hmm. And so it started that way. And then as I started venturing out, I'm like, this doesn't apply to just me as a a surgeon. It sort of applies to everyone in medicine, nurses and doctors and PAs and nurse practitioners, uh, PT, OT. And so I I journeyed out to sort of make it applicable for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then come to find out, it sort of applies to life, mm-hmm. you know? And so ironically, it just sort of trickled down to not just the medical professional, but most people in life. And it's sort of a character building kind of book um, that helps you. But for me, it was specifically because no one told me. And I gotcha. wish someone would have told me mm-hmm. to help me be more successful quicker. Gotcha. Okay, so interesting story, kind of sad, but interesting. So as I was reading your book, um, I identify with some of the rules because my mom battled breast cancer. Mm. So I, we dealt with a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, a lot of practitioners, and we were trying to figure things out, trying to understand what was happening, what was going on. And one of your rules, I can't remember the exact rule, but it really talks about um, the medical medical professionals having more of a bedside mm-hmm. manner. Get some. Bedside manners. Get some. Because mm-hmm. this one doctor we encountered didn't have it Mm. and we were in a critical situation with my mom so from a medical standpoint he was like look it's either this or it's this yeah that's it yeah and as a daughter 
taking in that information, I'm like, but wait, I don't understand mm -hmm. because it wasn't really making sense to me. And he was just very cut, dry, that's it. It, it, it didn't matter to him, hmm. no nothing. And I like flipped out. Good. Because, because Good for you. I'm like this is my mom yeah. laying in this hospital bed and you just walk in here with your team of doctors yeah. telling us it's either this or that and that's just what it is. And my mom saw me flip out and she was like, Tanisha, he's just trying to explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. I said, I understand that, but I, I wasn't ready to receive what he was telling me. That was the first part. And then the second part was the way that he did Correct. it. Correct. And it was just so... And that's a cultural, there's a cultural um, connection uh -huh. that, that some doctors just don't get. And so, uh, interesting, I'm actually speaking this weekend at um, a conference that talks about racial disparities in healthcare because we are not trained mm -hmm. to be culturally sensitive sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, if there is, there's like one course. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and most doctors don't grow up that way or they're not aware and that is across all genres it yeah. doesn't matter if black white Asian Hispanic whatever um, but there's a difference mm -hmm. in how you speak to someone what you say to them how they're gonna receive it and that kind of stuff and definitely in a, a life or death situation mm -hmm. you know yeah and I had to explain to that particular doctor I know you're her doctor but I'm her daughter you know and it it may not matter t that much to you but it matters a lot That's a good. to me That's good. and either he heard me or somebody on his team heard what I said because the next day, because we were having these daily visits, yeah. the next day he came back and he was very different. Good. And he understood where we were. He asked us if we needed, if we had questions. Mm -hmm. And he was, his demeanor changed a lot. And I, I really appreciated that because, you know, when you're dealing with a sick parent, your mom or dad or whatever, mm -hmm. and it is touch and go, it is life and death, you're mm -hmm. just like, you're already scared. Yeah. And you're already not fully prepared, mm -hmm. you know, to lose them. And to have this doctor that doesn't really have a bedside manner, that's, you know, the bedside manner's not that great, it makes it harder, yeah. you know, on you, yeah. on the family, on the patient. So I was very happy to see that rule in there because that, when I read it, that's the first thing that of. I thought of. Mm -hmm. and, and it carries over into not just then, but um, most doctors that have great bedside manners are less likely to get sued. So I'm helping from the business standpoint, wow. less likely to get sued. I mean, if you're honest and you're open and you show some type of compassion mm -hmm. and some type of um, humanity, humanity that you are, you know, just just like the rest of us, you mm -hmm. know, it's not like I'm above you or below you or whatever. So people will identify and are less likely to say, I'm gonna sue that person. Mm -hmm. But if you come in really honorary and arrogant and, you know, entitled kind of thing, people are pushed off mm -hmm. and they are very quick to sue. Um, the other side is, you know, if it's not bedside manners, I say get some, get some bedside manners. It's, um, you know, in life, it's just being a nice person. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter who you are, you don't know who you're going to come across, what their situation is, and, and that kind of thing. And so it's just a, you know, nice rule to apply across. Maybe it's not bedside manners, and maybe it's just being great manners and being yeah. nice. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the book, how many rules are there? 34. 34. We started with 40. Really? And we started with 40, we cut down, and I've added two, taken away, uh -huh. and, and it's been it's been fun, but at the same time, it's almost like they're, they're gut-wrenching. They're almost like my, my children, if you will, because mm -hmm. I'm very attached to a lot of them. And so, um, I don't know at some point to add on to them, or mm -hmm. you know, second edition, or, or whatnot, um, but I thought these were the core rules that anyone needed along different ways. And so it's everything from how you start out mm -hmm. to practicing the business side and talked about, you know, covering your butt, mm -hmm. um, CYA, cover your ass, and then uh, talked about 
money, social media branding, um, documentation, all the way down to get a life, um, live life, enjoy mm -hmm. life, pay it forward, all those things. And so it's sort of a roller coaster of what you will experience, if you will. Um, through medicine, your medical training, no matter who you are, what you need. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So I know you touched on the life or getting a life, or, and I know you have a really busy one, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. So for those of you that don't know, mm -hmm. she is a first lady. First lady of the so, Luke. Of the Luke. Mm -hmm. And um, so can you tell us a little bit, not necessarily about your role, because I think people know what first ladies are, mm -hmm. what they do, um, but how are you able to be a first lady and a doctor. Like, mm -hmm. is it a is it a really hard balance? Is there such thing as a balance? I think life is a balance, right? So, uh -huh. um, being a first lady has become uh, it's an honor. Number number one, it's an honor. It's a privilege because people put you on a pedestal and um, they expect a certain mm -hmm. something, you know. But more than anything else, they want to love on you, mm -hmm. and and I I I, I appreciate that. Um, me being a surgeon first before I was ever a first lady, I came with a a little bit of a tougher edge, mm -hmm. you know, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> but I cut people for a living. Right. So it, it was like a little bit different uh, compassion side, but I get people. Mm -hmm. So uh, my husband's great. He is very methodical. He's very type A and, you know, he's um, that person. I'm sort of the free spirit and mm -hmm. let's go. And so we're a great mesh. You know, mm -hmm. he heals them spiritually. I heal them physically. Um, and then I connect with people. And so I think with me being that person that will listen, um, we'll, you know, collaborate, we'll show them the right direction, but always open, always um, reachable mm -hmm. to most people, even on social media. I mean, it's a, a daily thing right. with people trying to reach you. So I think it's one of uh, being open to be uh, attainable, to be approachable, if you will, but also listening to people. People just want to be listened to, right. usually. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And I know you touched on your husband a little bit. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't know, um, I met her husband before and I used to um, join his Tuesday, Tuesday prayer, prayer calls, calls mm -hmm. and they were so good. Mm -hmm. He still so does good. them. He still, he still does, does them. them. Yep. And they were so good. And my family and I, before my mom ever got sick, um, I visited the Luke on my own, mm -hmm. and then I really wanted my family mm. to come with me. Mm -hmm. So one Sunday, my mom, my dad, and my sister mm -hmm. all came with me, and it was such a big deal. My mom was so happy, <laughs> so, so excited. Oh my God, Tanisha, it's so great. It, I loved it, and so she was so proud. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, I all, or as a daughter, I always aimed or I always hope to make my parents yep. proud of me. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't think that where I fellowshipped would make them proud, mm -hmm. but it did something for her and her spirit. And it was a big deal for me and it was a big deal for her. And she just thought the whole experience was really great. And I, I you know, I just really wanted to touch on that a little bit because it's not something I've ever shared with mm -hmm. you. And it's not something I've ever, I don't Thank think you. it's something I share with a lot of people yeah. actually. Cause you know, sometimes when we have, um, our family moments, I kind of keep them sacred, mm, especially now yep. that my mom has passed on. Yep. So it was a really big deal for me, a really big to deal be for there. her. Yeah. For her. And yeah. I think I think that's good, especially when people come up afterwards. I always acknowledge that moment because, you know, it's the little moments of when someone has traveled a long way or they live across town and they've come that Sunday morning and it's just that split second I get a chance to hug them or meet them or shake their hand or acknowledge their first name. Yeah. Those are the little things that matter that people say, okay, uh, I, I mean, these people are a little bit different, and I mm -hmm. think that is sort of the Luke experience that you get, that we do care. We want to bridge that gap of whatever it is between mm -hmm. people and 
relationships. So, gotcha. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you want to touch on with the Luke? I know Easter just passed. Easter just passed. We had a huge service, three mm -hmm. services. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're recovering. Yeah. Um, we have God's Women Rock. Okay. So God's Women Rock is an event that um, I've had a few times. It is specifically um, a party, if you will, for women to celebrate who we are in God. Mm -hmm. You know, so God's Women Rock is going to be May 3rd. Uh, it's going to be at the Luke in Humble, Texas, 2380 South Houston Avenue. We'd love for you guys to come. We have Corrine Hathorne. She's Grammy nominated. Mm -hmm. She's part of uh, Oprah Winfrey's Greenleaf show, Won't wow. He Do It, um, that song. And so she's coming. Uh, also, Ivy McGregor, who mm -hmm. is Beyonce's nonprofitist that she helps yeah. internationally. Mm -hmm. um, and so this year, I always pick a topic because I think as women of God, we have an impact and an influence that m we almost underestimate. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not just the collaboration, um, it's the um, the faith based of just the prayer and the meditation that we bring to it, but it's also putting your money where your mouth is, uh, and then petitioning because we also have a vote, mm -hmm. and so therefore, if you bring a whole bunch of God's women that rock together, and that you can literally bring some type of societal ill or something that is unjust in our system, and bring notification or notice to it, and bring that kind of awareness and impact, uh, that's what it's about. So it's a party, but it's also with purpose. Right. You know. So gotcha. May third, we'd love to have you guys. You can go to um, theluke.org. Uh, for more information, or I think we had the link up earlier to mm -hmm. get a ticket. Um, and then we also have another event. The lead-in to the event is actually A Second Cup is one of the huge organizations and uh, facilities in Houston that all of their monies goes towards human trafficking, and that's our focus this year, human trafficking. So Houston has become one of the number one hubs uh, in the United States for human trafficking. Wow. So a lot of people think human trafficking, the movie um, Taken, mm -hmm. or they think of, you know, oh, it's women that are prostitutes or whatever. There's two types of human trafficking. There's labor trafficking and then there's sex trafficking. Um, the first thing people should know that any child under the age of 17, that is not trafficking. That is like literally, you know, child mm -hmm. um, abuse. Okay, so, um, but for us to bring awareness to it and bring awareness to the organizations that are doing this. So a second, a second Cup is one. So on April 30th at seven to nine, we're gonna be there. And it's more of a just come hang and collaborate with other organizations that are already on the ground doing the work. Um, people like United Against Human Trafficking, which is huge in Texas and the United States. Also, um, um, children at risk. Children at risk are the huge advocates for anything children, but mm -hmm. they have one component that is specifically human trafficking. And they work really well with Gregory Abbott and Ted Poe and uh, Tom, uh, Representative Tom, uh, Sophronia Thompson um, to get legislation passed. And Which so, is important. Very important, you know. So that's one of the petitions we're actually putting out there um, is to change the current state law for the Houston, um, or I'm sorry, statewide boards school boards mm -hmm. to have to be have some type of professional training yeah and so therefore if my child and I have three children 13 11 and 7 mm -hmm. that if they're in school seven to eight hours out of the day and this teacher or teachers or you know uh, upper you know, administration is interacting then they should know the signs right. of what to look for they should know what to do in the event of that they're you know situation that they have to get someone out, mm -hmm. um, as well as where they can refer their kids to. And so this is more of an awareness aspect, but the House Bill, Texas House Bill 403 is what we're petitioning. So we have already 600 plus signatures. Really? 
that wow. people can go on to change.org and sign um, the God's Women Rock mm -hmm. uh, petition for House Bill 403. And that's really mm -hmm. important because I know I, I'm a former teacher, but mm. you know, sometimes yeah. as teachers and administrators, you get so busy mm. with trying to do your lesson or try to take care of the school or try to take care of the business of yeah. the whatever that you don't, you're not always focused and paying attention. Yes. And sometimes it does kids a disservice because mm -hmm. you're not focused. You're like you're you're focused, but you're not focused on them. Yeah. And you're not looking at the signs. You're not looking at some of the stuff that they could be dealing with. Mm -hmm. And then I know when I taught, I really encouraged my kids to talk to me mm -hmm. because I know that sometimes they had a hard time expressing themselves to their parents right. or you know other people, and they really. People, like you said, people just want somebody to listen to them That's sometimes. It. And I noticed That's that it. students are like that a lot. Yeah. And if they're in trouble, or if they think they're gonna get in trouble, then they're less likely to say stuff. Correct. So it's just having that um, open, honest, as honest as you can be. <laughs> I'm in a school setting uh, conversation exactly. with them just to make sure that, you know, they know that somebody does care, mm -hmm. somebody is fighting for them, yeah. and somebody wants them to be in a better situation yeah. if they're in a bad one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So um, the other thing I want to talk to you about, circling back to the book, mm. which I know we're here for, um, is do you have a favorite rule? Or is there <laughs> one that yes. you like more yes. than the other ones? Yes. Rule number 21 is karma is a bitch. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Karma's a bitch, not because uh, it applies specifically to medicine. You know, mm -hmm. it applies to everyone in life. And it is that whole thing of being nice. Mm -hmm. um, also, it's just like what you put out there in, into the universe is going to come back to you right. eventually. Uh, and this specific chapter specifically talked about a, um, a veteran. You know, Houston is the largest VA hospital in the nation. And so in training there, you know, you could see anything and everything, but it was always an honor. My dad's a disabled vet, and so it was always an honor to take care of veterans. I love the VA system. Uh, and so in coming at 2 a.m. to admit a hip fracture, it was our standard in orthopedics. And the ER doctor, who was Indian, by the way, mm -hmm. he basically was like, Dr. Sloan, you need to come in and uh, admit the patient. <laughs> and I'm like, I said, I'm on my way. And so I get there, and he says, oh, and by the way, he's very racist and very sexist. And I'm like, really? You, you couldn't mm -hmm. have told me that before I got here, you mm -hmm. know, kind of thing. Because you change your mindset in going in because you still have to be respectful. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't tolerate a lot mm -hmm. that, that some people will throw at you. And so he was uh, very um, colorful in his language. Mm -hmm. How about that? We'll say mm -hmm. that. Colorful in his language. And it just so happened that I was the admitting orthopedic surgeon uh, that was going to operate on him the next day as a, as a resident. His uh, security officer that came to help me um, you know, because he was very acoustic, basically was African-American as well. Mm -hmm. The nurse was Vietnamese. Oh, wow. And so he politely took all of us out in less than like 10 seconds flat. He had a good leg he kicked me in the elbow with. I went down on the floor. He took a cane out that none of us knew where it came from and took out the cop. And then he basically back slapped the nurse and took her down and she was trying to give him some drugs to calm him down. So here was this 84 year old white vet, you know, that was a Marine, Semper Fi, that took us all out, wow. you know, because that racist, sexist mm -hmm. type of mentality was, you know, too much for him to bear at two o'clock in the morning with hip fracture. Mm -hmm. So um, the next morning my staff was like, you don't have to take care of him, we'll take care of him. And so I went to clinic and someone else took him to the operating room and I hear code blue, OR5, code blue, OR5. And so I'm running thinking, my God, what did I do? What did I miss? What did, you know, something happened? 
Um, and he died on the table. They never got him back. Uh, and so my staff later on said, he goes, I know you're a praying woman, but what did you say to that man? <laughs> and I said, before we took him up mm -hmm. to the room, I told him, I said, you're a mean SOB. And I said, what goes around comes around. I said, so you will learn to be nice to people because otherwise no one's going to be here to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So less than eight hours later, wow. you know, he was dead. And I say that not to say that I, <laughs> you know, wish any bad on my patients. Right. But, you know, you give what you, you get what, what you, you give. give. You really right. do. You know? Right. Wow, yeah. I hadn't gotten that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I ruin it for no, you? No, that's okay. There's more to it. There's that's more to okay. it. Yeah, that's the brief synopsis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as a medical professional, do you actually, and is, is it derogatory for me to say medical professional? No, not okay. at all. Yeah. Okay. Do you watch any medical shows? You know I do. Oh, yeah. Which so ones? I grew up on ER. You did? I grew up on ER. I was like nonstop ER. So when it you know went away, I was really sad. I love Grey's Anatomy. Okay. You know, for Sh Shonda Rhimes, but also because... It gives this uh, glorified view of medicine mm -hmm. that's somewhat unrealistic. So it's almost like a um, escapism, if you will, for mm -hmm. for me at least. You know, but I, I you know, we're critiquers also because mm -hmm. we're sitting there, we're like the X-ray is upside down. They mm -hmm. don't even have the IV on. No mm -hmm. one has icon, you know, eyewear on going into the operating room. You'd never do that. Yeah. You know, so it's all those little things, but it's enjoyable. So, and I love Chandra. She always brings stories and storylines mm -hmm. that are, you know, um, in our face right now in the news mm -hmm. and media. Um, to things in medicine that we deal with all the time that nobody really knows about. So yeah. I love that. Because I, I know I used to watch Grey's Anatomy all the time. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched in the past maybe two years. Mm -hmm. I did that on purpose uh -huh. because some of the stories were too real. Gotcha. And they hit too close to home. Oh, yeah. And I know, like, my sister and I would have conversations because she, I think she still watches it. And so before my mom passed mm -hmm. away, my sister said there was, like, a couple episodes on Grey's Anatomy where people were passing away. And I know that, like, one of the seasons, one of the uh, doctors, her mom had passed away yes. from breast cancer. Yes, exactly. I'm like, Maggie, man. Yeah. Maggie's mom, yeah. And, I, and so I watched that episode. I forced myself mm. to watch it because mm. I kind of felt like it was me facing something. Yeah. So I forced myself to watch it, and then I saw how she came through it. Mm. Now, she handled her grief a little bit differently than I handled mine, but I made myself watch it, and I really saw how her mom died, mm. and then how she handled the aftermath of it, and how she went on, and how she continued to go on, mm -hmm. and I just was amazed because my mom wasn't at that point mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. So when it was our turn, me and my sister's turn, to go through that same thing, I kind of reflected back on some of the other things I've seen with Grey's Anatomy yeah. and other shows, yeah. and just to see how people deal with it, and then to see like the the final moments. And mm. I'm only going to talk to you about this because you're a medical professional. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, for me, like, with my mom, it was like she was alert, you know, and then my mom, you know, they asked her a couple questions. Hey, are you, you want to be more comfortable? And she's like, yeah. In my mind, I don't really know what more comfortable means. Gotcha. Mm. So I'm sitting up here trying to figure out her illness and trying to figure out, because she had cancer, and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And they're saying, "Do you want to make her? Do you want to be more comfortable?" And she's like, uh, "Yeah." Mm -hmm. And then they had to explain to me yes. what was happening. Yeah. And so my aunt was there with me, and she had to explain to me, "This is what's happening." And I was like in complete disbelief because I, 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 you know, I think it's it's language. Yeah, you know, and the part of the communication I, I do talk about that as well in the book, but the, also the um, it's okay to let them go. 
Yes, that's one of the chapters that, you know, when you get to it, it, it was one that we don't teach very well in mm -hmm. medicine to the doctors, mm -hmm. the medical professionals, as well as family members uh, or the patients. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I've had patients that I've, I've actually gone into, and this is more of the spiritual side, I think, as well, that I, I literally can whisper in their ears, like, it's okay to go. It's like people sometimes need permission. Yes. And so I've had to teach family members as mm -hmm. well and to say, this is, this is it. And it's okay, and and this is part of this cycle of life yeah. that we talk about. But that was a hard chapter for me to write because mm -hmm. I felt like you know I did I didn't do my all to save this patient, mm -hmm. but the nurse that comes in was like, Doctor Sloan, it's okay, let him go. Mm -hmm. Patients die, mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's so hard, that's mm -hmm. so harsh. But it was like in that moment of dignity, mm -hmm. of respect of allowing the family to partake in that moment, because sometimes we, we shroud it in such negative connotation or whatever else, it's actually a beautiful thing. It is. And, and to be part of that, and to be someone that gets their hands to be privileged mm -hmm. to help with that, that, that's an honor. And so we as medicine, we're taught save, fix, you know, make it work, you know, whatever it does before we cross this threshold. But that is part of what we're doing. We're ushering in that threshold and that it's okay. And that's a, that's a talent, that's a skill that not everybody has. Right, and I'm grateful that when it was our turn and it was our time, or my mom's time, mm -hmm. um, her team of doctors, because she had a different team by mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. so her team of doctors were phenomenal. Good. And they were really good. Good. And, and they just, they were patient, they explained what they could, and then, you know, my family had to tell me what was going on. And then I just had to, you know, prepare myself and I had to tell myself it's okay. Yeah. It's Permission. okay. Permission. And I know that I was the last person to actually talk to my mom. Aww. And uh, I think she passed away about 10 to 15 minutes after I talked to her. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was amazing. She had peace because you had peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had told her that I had to tell her, Mom, I'm going to be okay. Permission. You know? Yeah. And I guess, I don't know, me saying, telling her what she was waiting for me to say, maybe. Yeah. And she just went and she just transitioned. Yeah, she and, had peace. And she had peace, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was it was sad, mm -hmm. but it was beautiful too. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to stay in there, because yeah. some people stay, yeah. and I didn't want to stay in there, so yeah. I left. But my dad said, you know, she's gone. Yeah. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God. That's, I did that's it. that's a beautiful thing, right. that you were there. Yeah. You know, and you were the last to speak. That's, yeah. a, that's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. You know, Dr. Sloan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I can sit good, here and talk to you all good, day. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, I know you have stuff to do, and we have to wrap this show. But it's been so good having Thank you, you here. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, highlight, or promote while I have you? I would love for people to get the book, The Rules of Medicine. It's at therulesofmedicine.com, or they can go to my website mm -hmm. at sonyasloanmd.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, pick up a copy for yourself, for someone that's going into medicine, uh, or, you know, it's great, uh, it's a great read. It's funny, it's sad, it's, um, you know, it's real, it'll bring thought to, you know, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, and I will uh, join you again later on next week. Mm -hmm. Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>